Today, Jack, the show is all about you. You're in full control. Go. First of all, hello to Jack. Good morning, Jack. Let's talk to Jack Duffin. Let's bring in Jack Duffin. In our Westminster studio is Jack Duffin. Cleveland. It's the Jack show. Um, so it's our final part of the offense. It was going to drop yesterday, but with the Corbett news, I decided just to sit on everything for a day to let it all simmer down, doing the interior offensive line. So we've done the quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, tight ends, and then tackles last week. Um, and as I'll just run through the concept for anyone that hasn't listened, and if you're literally just dropping in. This is the first of the series you've listened to. I'd encourage you to go back. Um, each week, I drop a different show. And it's very much a look at the roster building, three-year look ahead. And the reason it's three years is Dorsey's done interviews. Go look at them on The Ringer and other places where he's talking about the three years and decisions you make this year have impact over the next three years. And that is very, very true. So we're looking at three years Um and then what happens to the team and everything else in those. So we're just going to cover the interior offensive line here, just with that Corbin news, um, which I'll discuss later when we get onto the dead cap within this position rooms. Um, I'll sort of discuss that then, but I'm going to focus on the active roster first. Um, and there's five now on the um, interior O-line on the active roster, which is roughly what you'd expect. I'd say five on the interior, uh, three on the exterior of it. And then, yeah, you can have another one. I would always carry another one, but eight is sort of the minimum of where teams stand. Um, there's still that roster spot that um, the Corbett move opened up, so I wouldn't be surprised if someone's added to fill that. Whether it's Trent Williams, whether it's someone else, we'll get more into that probably on the Paul and Jack show on Sunday. But um, you can always go to my Twitter at Jack Duffin if you want uh, my takes on that potential of adding Trent Williams. It's not pretty um, and I'm not a fan. But um, focusing on what the show's actually about this week. So JC Tretters, the first name, will come up just because he's the highest cap commitment this year on the interior and he is in the final year of his deal so he's getting paid 7.25 million this year um we're gonna need a new deal done for him um and i've sort of been looking sort of doing some research for a piece looking at what that deal is going to be so it's not completely finished and it'll take me some more time some more research to get a better idea but it's either going to be a three or four year deal looking at the other players that hit free agency and the other sort of top 10 corners. And something I've found really, really interesting is if you look at the top 20 um, positions across all the offense in terms of contract, um, and we're talking average per year as a percentage over the entire um, recent history of the NFL, all the numbers taken from over the cap, you've only got two positions where half of those contracts or more are current contracts. So center and right guard are the fastest growing sort of position value um, for sort of teams to plow money into. Um, you've got your top 
five um, include four spots on the O-line and then the quarterback. So it's very much when you're looking at where teams are plowing money into the um, offense sort of more now than they did in the past, it's quarterback and the offensive line, which isn't a surprise. Um, running back is a position that used to be valued, but teams got smarter. And wide receivers and tight ends. Tight ends is limited due to Rob Gronkowski's impact. But um, very much the interior of the O-line is where teams are plowing money. So if I'm going to guess he's getting a three- or four-year deal, I guess it would probably be on the four-year end just because they'll want to tie him up. He's going to be 29 when he signs his deal. And you're looking somewhere between the 9 and 11 million mark um, for sort of a top 10 player at the position. So... If I'm going to guess, I'm going to say he's going to be somewhere around the 10 million mark. So I think a four-year, 40 million deal is very possible, um, possibly slightly more. It wouldn't surprise me if he gets the 11.25 or even breaks the market just because there's no real other options there. The Browns aren't going to spend a pick on it. So if he asks for the 11.5, I think he's actually going to get paid that if he wants it. So he could ask for that and we could be looking at sort of the record deal for a center in the NFL right now in an average per year numbers, which obviously isn't true as such because the NFL salary cap goes up each year, but I could easily see a uh, four year deal where he gets 11.5. So we're talking 45, 46, 46 million. And then if I'm just going to pull a number out, because I haven't done the research into guarantees, what that would be. And obviously guarantees, not all guarantees are made equal. I'm going to guess somewhere in the region of, let's say 25 million of that is guaranteed. Or let's say 26. So over half of it is guaranteed. So yeah, if I'm going to make a guess, it's going to get a four-year deal somewhere in the region of 40 to 45 million. And then guarantees somewhere in the sort of 20 to 25 million range. So uh, it's going to be a good deal for him and uh, well-deserved based on the past two years. Not so much this year, but it's been a sort of a bit of a disaster all round. So he will improve. I've got confidence in him getting there. Um, He's shown a lot of health. That was his concern when he ended up coming in to the Browns. So, um, no, expecting J.C. Tretter to get an extension. The next name is Joel Batonio, who's got, um, this is a final year left with guarantees. So, he's being paid $7 million this year, $9 million the next year, and $10 million and $10 million. So, Joel Batonio is here to stay as long as he wants. It wouldn't surprise me if there's sort of a renegotiation to add guarantees into his contract. Um, probably more for injury and stuff, but... Um, He's here. Um, he's a fantastic talent, and I'm happy for him to be part of the team. He's uh, a person that's really locked down that left guard spot. And as well, it wouldn't surprise me if he potentially ends up at left tackle if you needed him. He can do a good job if you've got sort of a, a solid enough group um, to fill in um, at left guard. So, uh, Joel, fantastic. By the time he finishes his deal here in the next three and a half years, he's going to be 31. So, he might get a couple more years or he might be a free agent and then uh, has a uh, shot somewhere else. Next name is right guard, Eric Cush. He's got another year after this. Um, 
He might hang around. He might not. It depends what they do after camp this year. He's he's a really good backup um, guard, um, an interior lineman. Is he your um, starter? Probably not. Um, he's not been great. Um, I never wanted Zeitler to go. Um, that's a decision um, Dorsey made because he doesn't really value the O-line. Um, so, yeah, he's in there. He's doing a job as best he can. Um, I don't mind the guy as much as uh, some people do. I know his PFF stats aren't great, but um, he is 1.5 million this year, 2.2 million next year. I'm more than happy that he stays on the roster next year. Next name is Justin McCray. So he's got two crude seasons so far. Um, so he's one we can uh, keep around um, for a little while longer. He's only got a one-year deal this year, but um, you, you've then got another year where you can uh, restricted him. So uh, he's probably staying around. He'll get at least a restricted tender for next year, and then uh, the team can really have this off-season to just or next training camp and next season to decide if they want to keep him. Um, with those uh, sort of restricted free agent tenders tender him at just over a million I don't know what the number is and then uh, you can just keep him around so he's under contract control so we'll see what he can do no one really knows yet we've seen him a little bit of right tackle um, but it wouldn't surprise me he's going to be here at camp next year and uh, the moves they make will be interesting to keep an eye on White Teller's obviously one with a lot more promise Dorsey gave up a lot to get him a fifth and a sixth is an expensive deal um, because that's two picks in there um, so he's got three more years on his deal. Um, we're yet to see what he can do or what sort of the plan is for him. And this is another move that it worries me because I like the idea of constantly adding talent, but it's you've got to have a plan for the talent and where you see that talent developing because the noise at first was, yeah, he's great left guard. We don't need a left guard. We've got Joel Batonio unless they're going to move Joel Batonio to left tackle and then start White Teller at left guard. That makes sense. If that's the plan, then fine. But adding players just for the sake of it, and then they can't get into the team, they can't get onto the roster, they don't develop, um, isn't being a good GM. So he's here for the next three years. Um, There's a solid commitment into him. So it'll be one to keep an eye on. Um, You don't want to rush these young interior um, players or any of the players on the O-line, really. You want to start when they're ready, um, and there's not too much desperation on the interior, um, even though Kush could do with an upgrade. So we've got one name on the practice squad. Um, not practice squad, let me just... Um, I'm just checking this name. Don't quite know how to pronounce it and I don't want to get it wrong oh he's on injured reserve he's a center it's low Falmaca um center um he's got long time on his contract he was a uh, undrafted free agent got injured in training camp so don't expect him to be around but uh yeah he's on IR this year and so the first name when it comes to dead cap is Kevin Zeitler, who we're paying $7.2 million on the cap for this year um, to not play for us. 
Um, so obviously part of the dead cap that the Giants ate in keeping Olivier Vernon. Um, so basically it was a trade-off of dead cap. So when anyone looks at Vernon's cap number and sees 15.5, it's worth adding the 7.2 on the Zeitler deal because that's fundamentally getting paid for him to play here. Kevin Zeitler should still be a Brown. Um, we've discussed this on the Sunday show just gone. So I'm not going to focus too much on that, but what a difference this team would make if he was still here. Because one thing Baker did some of last year is he felt really safe on the interior. Petonio Tretter-Zeitler was the best interior O-line in the NFL. And that was blown apart. And obviously losing part of that has made him more uncomfortable with what's going on in the pocket and sort of he doesn't feel as comfortable going up in the pocket and making a play he feels he needs to scramble more as some of the other NFL quarterbacks do so Kevin Zeitler is a big miss and it's a position we need to fill the next name out there is Austin Corbett in terms of dead cap so Austin Corbett is 1.77 million this year and 1.77 million next year um, in terms of dead cap. So just shy of 3 million in dead cap just to get rid of him. So the logic for getting rid of him is sound. Um, if a player is not going to play, you trade him. Uh, we're not going to play. You know, if you don't want them on the roster, you cut your losses and make mistakes. Bill Belichick is not a great drafter. Some people think that's mad. Look back at his draft picks. His draft picks generally not that great. He's quick to move on. He's quick to find value and he never overpays. Austin Corbett, we got a 2021st fifth round pick. So always, if you're looking a year extra into the future, you upgrade it around. So obviously, if you're pulling that back to look at what we got in real value, we got a sixth round pick for him. Um, so it is really low value. We literally just given up on him and moved him out. Um, and that's not an expectation. It was a bad pick from day one. And I'm not saying that in hindsight. By all means, go back and look at my Twitter. Um, look at the discussions I had on the UK Browns Facebook group. Um, serious questions over the pick because the route to playing was never there. Um, and then it comes in with part of this the whole, the plan, what is the plan? Because we drafted uh, Corbett and the talk was, oh, well, he might play left tackle. I was always in the camp that he's an interior lineman. Um, from what people I'd read, it was like an outside shot. He might play left tackle. Never really the sort of expectation for him in the NFL. And when you've got Betonio, you've got Tretter, you've got Zeitler, there should be no real plan for moving those players on in the short term. And the move didn't make sense from that angle. There was desperate needs at other positions. And if you did want to go out and say draft a center or something there, then there was better names on the board. Um, and it was a disappointing pick from day one, not one that I agreed with or saw the, the route and the plan. And then the other part of the lack of a plan is when Zeitler was moved, the feeling... Um, was very much like, well, the team obviously endorsing must fully believe Austin Corbett is capable of coming in and playing right guard. That was the sort of feeling from the team, where they were going. And that doesn't look like anything like the case um, because he's been dumped and he never really got a shot to play right guard. So it's that lack of the sort of cohesive decision-making, which is shame and a frustration. 
So Corbett's gone. Right move to get rid of him. Bad move to bring him in. And then bad move to move Zeitler when he's the only sort of name there. Uh, the next name is Brian Witzerman, who just came in during camp. Um, didn't make the roster, but he's getting paid 200000 this year. He is on the Panthers. And then, yeah, if we just look, I'm just going to do the names on the practice squad. I'm not going to get too much into their salaries. It's tiny money. So looking at the Browns website, you've got Guard, Colby Gossett. You've got uh, Guard, Malcolm Pridgen and center Willie Wright. So they're the three um, interior O-linemen just stashed on the practice squad. I'm not going to delve too much into them. Um, let's see if any of them are paid really well. Really, Willie Wright is paid above the average. So he's paid 221000 The average is 136000 So they've invested heavier in him. And also Colby Gossett, given 192,000 so they've overinvested in him which shows there's some interest in there and they're the ones to keep an eye on um Malcolm Pigeon is just paid basic so less likely to see him breaking through um but no they're obviously it's not a massive investment sort of not quite double them but um there's more investment than the league rules require and really right and Colby Gassett. So maybe some interest in there to keep an eye on them for the future. But where we stand in terms of the interior O-line, left guard is locked down. Center is locked down. Right guard, is it McRae? Is it White Teller? Is it Forbes? We discussed him um, last show. Um, I potentially see him possibly coming more inside. I'd like him to get a shot at left tackle, but we'll see, and the team will know more from that. Um, but they don't need to make too much moves because I would say if they've got sort of confidence in McRae, confidence in White Teller, then that's more or less your five locked down. Um, you then maybe move Kush back to sort of your fourth choice and whoever wins the battle between uh, Teller and McRae comes in at right guard. Obviously, you might need to bring someone in if you're going to bring um, Teller in at left guard and then move Batonio out, which I think is perfectly acceptable Batonio is a uh, sort of top five sort of left guard in the NFL um, but if you can get an above average left tackle out of him then you make that move and yeah, you might need to give him a slight contract boost to do it but um, I'm sure he'll do a fantastic job out there because there's not that many left tackles on the market especially if it's not a position we're going on in the first round so that's more or less it wrapped up. It's a position room which doesn't need as much investment as the offensive tackle room. Um, gave you a flavour for what the uh, Preta contract's potentially going to look like. So I just wanted to keep an eye on and we'll come back and revisit the numbers and my predictions. And it is only a prediction um, later down the line. But thanks again, guys, for listening. It's at Jack Duffin on Twitter, J-A-C-K-D-U-F-F-I-N. I'll be back on Sunday chatting with Paul going to have a real good look at sort of the rumors out there and uh, the feelings on those but any questions as always dms are open if that's easier but feel free to tweet them at me um happy to answer and talk cap um the numbers when i finish the piece um a browns website might take it i might just um sort of screenshot it and give it a tweet um on how i came to the numbers on tretter's deal but um i'll put that out there because hey it's just interesting um, done a little bit of research just 
personal interest and uh, hey, some of you guys enjoy it then i can send it to you guys as well so have a good evening and um just remember go browns